Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st, with two electrifying programs and five works, springing from cartoon, the news, and human connection. ODC.dance slash downtown. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. Benicia is a city of about 30,000 people in southern Solano County. Compared to other parts of the county, it's relatively older, whiter, more affluent, and more liberal. Now, Benicia doesn't get a ton of media attention, unless you count that life-sized Han Solo made out of bread, just look it up. But the city is home to one of five oil refineries in the Bay Area. Now, the one in Benicia is operated by Valero. In every election cycle, this refinery, this huge piece of fossil fuel infrastructure, looms large over city politics. The emissions you're talking about are unacceptable? So, yes, I will expect Valero to be uh, held accountable for the emissions. We need to understand what's in our air so we can manage it. The people in this community are going to rise up. They are no longer going to take this becoming a refinery town. I'm Alan Montecilio, in for Erica Cruz Guevara, and welcome to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. Today, the politics of fossil fuels in Benicia's city council race. Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st, with two electrifying programs and five works, springing from cartoon, the news, and human connection. ODC.dance slash downtown. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. The refinery there has been around for a long time, but um, Valero purchased it roughly 20 years ago. Scott Morris is a reporter with the Valero Sun. And actually, the city estimates Valero's taxes actually represent 20% of the city's general budget. So, you know, this huge chunk of the budget that, like, if if Valero were to close tomorrow, for whatever reason, the the refinery reduced its operations, would have this uh, huge impact on the city's budget and kind of its ability to do business. Tell me a bit more about what role Valero has played in, in city politics um, in the last couple of cycles. In previous elections, Valero has spent hundreds of thousands of dollars um, you know, supporting the candidates they want, in particular actually uh, attacking um, the candidates they don't like. You know, They, they might spend um, more than $200,000 in each campaign. And in particular, attacking a particular candidate um, who was an environmental spokesperson, Carrie Birdseye. She was on the Benicia Planning Commission at the time, and the Planning Commission had also denied Valero a permit for shipping crude oil by rail. So there was all these attacks on her, and 
you know, she ends up losing a three-way race to Christina Strawbridge, who had previously been a city council person, and Lionel Largaspada. Now, Valero, again, in 2020, spent a lot of money on the mayor's race. And in that case, it was um, Steve Young and then Christina Strawbridge, then a city council person, are running for the mayor's seat. In that case, though, um, you know, they spent money attacking Young there. And Young had been a person who was also on that planning commission um, that denied the crude by rail permit. And he also had been on the city council when they did not move forward with oversight, but he actually had voted to move forward with it. He was one of two votes that said, yes, we, sh we should um, pursue greater oversight of Valero. But this time, Valero's money didn't work. Like Valero spent all this money, um, like $200,000 attacking Steve Young. And Steve Young uh, won that election with more than 50% of the vote, um, you know, and Strawbridge only had 30-something um, percent of the vote. So it was this um, really large margin. And, and, and in that case, it doesn't seem like, it seems like Valero's money may have actually had a negative effect on Strawbridge's campaign. So that's what Valero's done in 2018 and 2020. What has the perception of the company been as we approach this election? It's been a big source of controversy um, for a lot of reasons. I mean, uh, you know, it, it just kind of by the nature of being an oil refinery and uh, the impact that, you know, fossil fuels have had on the environment and continue to have on the environment, um, you know, it, it already Valero becomes a source of controversy. On top of that, there was um, a fire and a, and a pretty big release of toxic gas back in 2017. And actually, you know, Valero is still kind of um, sorting through the penalties and the impact of that. Earlier this year, it was revealed that actually, you know, Valero had been kind of slowly releasing um, a lot of toxins over the course of like two decades. Valero hadn't really detected it, or so they say, for years and years and years. It was just this kind of excess toxic gases that were coming out of a hydrogen vent. The Bay Area Air Quality Management District, which is the um, you know air quality regulator in the Bay Area, found out about this release in 2019. They found out that it's been going on, and they investigated and determined that it had been going on for this really long time. But neither the Air District nor Valero saw fit to tell the city of Benicia its government or its residents about that release at that point and, and didn't until earlier this year when the um, situation had uh, reportedly been mostly resolved. You know, between these incidents, Valero has kind of become this uh, a, a little bit of a pariah there. Its importance is recognized in terms of the local economy and, you know, what it means, but it, but it also, the residents there are afraid that hey, this, this company is really polluting this place and is releasing these gases and, and really isn't being transparent about it despite um, you know their protestations otherwise. So, you know, th there is this race going on for city council in Benicia uh, right now. And I know that there was a candidate forum hosted by the League of Women Voters of Solano County last week. Tell me about that forum and who, who the candidates are. I'm so pleased to be the moderator for tonight's forum, and I'd like to begin by introducing our five candidates who are running for City Council of Benicia. Those include... Christina Strawbridge. Thank you. Currently, I'm the only woman on the Benicia City Council, and only the seventh since the town was founded in 1847. 
This would be her third term on the Benicia City Council. So she's got a lot of political experience. She's been around for a while and she owns a clothing boutique in downtown Benicia. Then there's um, Lionel Largaspada. He won four years ago and is looking for his first reelection. And so if you believe great things are happening in Benicia right now, if you believe that council member accessibility, results, and experience matter most in this election, then I humbly ask for your vote. Larry Spotter before that was a, um, a director of marketing and business development at um, a uh, firm that provides um, surveying and visualization services. You know, they have a lot of different clients, but one of those was Valero. Um, he, he tends to be kind of a little more of a centrist candidate. Um, he's endorsed by the uh, Benicia Police Officers Association. Um, you know, he's he's come out against um, the city sales tax uh, that they're they're pursuing with a ballot measure this year. Um, I think he's the only city council member to do that. If you want a strong, thoughtful, empathetic, and transparent leader, please vote for me. Carrie Birdseye used to be press officer for Earth Justice. Um, she's worked for a lot of different environmental organizations. Um, you know, she's been on the planning commission for a while. And so she's really framing herself as you know the, um, the environmentalist candidate. Then there's uh, Terry Scott. Terry Scott was a um, vice president of Hasbro for a long time. As a businessman, as a philanthropist, as a futurist, I believe I have a unique uh, proven background on how to move effectively as a council member. He's never held elected office before. He was involved in the Benicia Arts Commission, uh, but he had also run for city council in 2020. And then the last person that's running is um, Billy Innes. I am William Innes. I go by the name Billy. And he is a retired teacher. Um, he worked in the Vallejo School District. I cannot go up against a quarter of a million dollar war chest, but I do have a voice. And I will speak without voice. Um, but he is, um, you know, he joined the race late. He hasn't done a lot of fundraising. He doesn't, it's, it seems he's there to kind of get his voice out there. But I, I'm not sure that he's um, seriously expecting to win at this point. How much did Valero, I guess, loom over this forum? Like how much was it, how big of a topic of conversation was it? Well, it was interesting because um, dur during the kind of prepared questions, actually, they didn't really talk about Valero at all. But then, you know, when the audience questions came up, then there became this much more uh, robust discussion about Valero. So that concludes the first part of our forum, our prepared questions. So let's see how this goes. I haven't read the questions before. So the Air Quality Management District found our refinery unit, oh, excuse me, found one refinery unit at Valero produced pollutants that were on the average 100 times higher than permitted. Are you planning on doing anything about this? So it was clearly on something that was on people's minds that were in the audience there, that, that they wanted to hear this discussed. You know, in particular, this, this release of emissions and, and what was going to happen with that, because you know, accountability for Valero in this is, is really still kind of an open question. You know, the air district's pursuing fines. There's been some talk about, you know, potential criminal action or something like that. But, you know, there's there's no um, indication of what exactly is really going to happen here, how robust these fines are going to be. And a lot of people are they're looking for not only a heavy deterrent of a Valero here, but also for Valero to pay something back to the city of Benicia to kind of like repair some of this damage that they've done. You know, a couple of candidates suggested that, you know, the money should come back 
and should be used to help Benicia residents put air monitors in their home, purchase air filters, put steps in place to, to protect the health of residents, um, that for this not just to be punitive, but for something that actually um, helps repair the, the damage that they potentially could have done in the city of Benicia. It seems like there is a real appetite for accountability uh, when it comes to Valero. It's true. Um, you know, even this ostensibly preferred candidates for Valero, the people that they campaigned for four years ago, you know, were, were saying that, you know, Valero needed to be held accountable here. You've got the two incumbents. I mean, um, Christina Strawbridge, who Valero campaigned for in 2018, was saying that, you know, the releases that were disclosed earlier this year, she called it a betrayal by Valero. The emissions you're talking about are unacceptable. Um, we have an agreement with Valero um, on that we, as a city, through our police chief, our fire chief, developed, and we have um, been betrayed. She also was was angry with the air district. They did not report what they have found as far as the emissions. We still don't know what the impact that's going to have on our health, and we need more information on that. So there is this this kind of really, you know, uh, strongly worded statements about um, Valero's role and in, in what they've done. Um, you know, Larry Spato was a little bit more measured in it, um, but did say that, you know, Valero had broken the law and that they needed to be held accountable for that. Valero, like any business and every business in the community, is expected to follow the laws, whether they come at our local level, the county and the state. With respect to punishment of sorts, um, that is the jurisdiction of the Air Board. And then, you know, you, of course, with the candidates that are running against the incumbents on the more liberal side are, are even more um, angry at Valero. There's three words that uh, come to mind, monitor, monitor, and monitor. You had uh, Terry Scott kind of saying that, you know, this won't be a refinery town or, um, you know, Carrie Birdseye saying that, you know, we, we've got to like measure the, the toxic releases in our air. We rely on citizens' purple air monitoring stations at our school sites and throughout our community, and they pick up just a, the particulate matter, not the toxic gases, not the toxic um, compounds that are in our air. Calling out some of the current um, measurements and saying that, hey, you know, we're measuring particulate matter, but not necessarily measuring these toxic gases that could be released. and. And it, and it creates a lot of questions as well, if we didn't know about this for 20 years, what else don't we know about? You know, they feel like their regulators failed them. They feel like the refinery failed them, you know, and, and people are looking for answers and they're looking for accountability. So this is not um, the case where, you know, really anybody, um, at least uh, openly, is, is sort of cowing to the refinery here. Um, it, it, anybody running for office in Benicia right now uh, is trying to frame a pretty strong stance on Valero. So, Scott, Valero, in the last couple cycles, uh, spent a lot of money, and it seems like it was pretty clear about candidates that it was at least opposing or trying to, you know, defeat. Is Valero picking sides this time around? Right now, Valero is kind of the... It's almost like you know people are waiting for this hammer to drop in Benicia, um, and and you know we we have not seen 
Valero kind of make a move in this election. And it's possible they won't. It's possible that, that they see what happened in 2020, that they, the, the influence that they try to exert there kind of backfired. And so that, you know, they, they don't see it in their best interest to spend their election. Now, they do have this this political action committee and they put a lot of money into it. So there's a lot of money ready to go. There's two hundred and thirty thousand dollars that Valero is ready to spend on this election. And the mayor actually called this out in a Facebook post earlier this year. And he said, look, like there's there's all this money that Valero is ready to spend on this election. And what are they going to do? And so far, the answer is not much. We, we have not seen a lot of spending. People haven't been complaining about getting mailers or anything like that from this political action committee. Um, you know, they're not getting phone calls. But we don't know. You know, that may change in the next few weeks. We're not sure, um, you know, if Valero may try to exert some last minute influence here or not. Scott, we're just a few weeks out from the last day of voting. Whoever wins in Benicia, what role does the city council have in um, Valero's future in the community? Yeah, I mean, it, it could have a big role, and it sort of depends on what the city council wants to do for that. Um, the city council is, has sought greater oversight over Valero in the past um, and, and has not done that. And, you know, so in the future, especially given the more recent scandals, you know, that's something they may reconsider, that they may say, hey, we, we actually do want to take more of an oversight role over this refinery. Potentially, there's still penalties to be meted out for what happened earlier this year. And, and frankly, these, these penalties can sometimes take years for the air district to settle. I think that um, the city council is looking to uh, put itself more into that conversation, um, that there is a, a committee that's kind of working with the air district right now. You know, they're looking for some of that money to come back into the city of Benicia. Where There's a lot of places where the council could exert more control if it wants to, and whoever's on the Benicia city council is going to affect that appetite. So, Scott, just to wrap up here, I know this is just one election in one smaller city in Solano County. And, you know, each race is a little different. There's not one local race that is like the perfect bellwether for the whole state. But I do want to say, you know, like Benicia is one of several places in the Bay that is home to these big pieces of fossil fuel infrastructure. And we're also in this moment where we know we need to do something about climate change. The state is moving in uh, the direction of more um, electric cars, reducing emissions, things like that. And there's, you know, this anger about the pollution that the oil refineries emit. So I guess I'm saying all this because I'm wondering um, what implication could these results have? And what do you think it would say about, I guess, the politics of, of fossil fuels and, and of climate in, in this one city, but then potentially region-wide? I think that Benicia is sort of struggling with the fact that this refinery occupies so much of its um, economy and is important for that reason to the local community there, but also has is kind of a business that needs to become passe. I mean, look, like California has made a commitment to um, phasing out cars that run on fossil fuels, gas is going to become less of a commodity. And so Valero is going to have a harder time selling its product. The bigger picture here and what it means for, for everything is, is whether or not we're going to kind of find new ways to run our economy that don't destroy our environment um, and, and kind of 
that's the tension in Benicia right now. Well, Scott, thanks so much for, for making the time. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. That was Scott Morris, reporter with the Vallejo Sun. He also wrote a piece about Benicia's city council candidate forum. We'll leave that in our show notes. This conversation with Scott was cut down and edited by me, Alan Montecilio. Maria Eskinka added the audio and the music. Thanks as well to the League of Women Voters of Solano County for hosting the candidate forum and for providing the audio that you heard. And by the way, that story about the refinery emitting toxic chemicals for decades and nobody knowing about it, we actually did an episode on that back in March with KQED's Ted Goldberg. We'll leave a link to that in our show notes as well. The Bay is a production of KQED Public Radio in San Francisco. I'm Alan Montecilio, in for Erica Cruz Guevara. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you Friday. Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, and I hope you'll join me on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Every Thursday, I'm getting the inside take from the best reporters in the country on what figures like Elon Musk, Donald Trump, Kevin McCarthy, and Marjorie Taylor Greene are doing. I think she wants to make things happen. She wants to get legislation passed. She made clear to me that she wants to have a president who upholds Christian values. She embraces the term Christian nationalist. That's Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Tyler Foggett. Join me and my colleagues as we go beyond the headlines and deepen your understanding of the forces shaping our world today on The Political Scene, a newly updated podcast from The New Yorker. With episodes three times each week, The Political Scene accesses the sharpest minds in politics for insight and analysis about everything from abortion rights to the war in Ukraine. Make sure you're following The Political Scene, available now wherever you get your podcasts.